welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Melissa, and with me as always is Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Melissa. How are you doing? Uh, I have a cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mandy's a little under the weather, but we are going to persevere and push through. And because it's not me, we'll keep going and won't quit. Yeah. Your, but- your voice is still as buttery as always. <laughs> <laughs> buttery is what you always want to hear. Um, <laughs> so tonight we were going to talk to you about the case of... Rebecca Zahau. Um, she is an interesting case, as all of ours are. And this comes to us from a friend on the old Twitter who suggested this case, um, our friend Megan over there. And uh, this is one that you've probably heard a little bit about. I remember, I mean, I'm somewhat familiar with this case before we really looked into it and thought it was strange and weird. But once you deep dive into this, it's a whole lot of crazy whole lot of crazy. A whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll give you a small little bit of bio on Rebecca and then pass it over to Mandy. Um, So Rebecca was born on March 15th, 1979 in Falam, Burma. Um, She grew up with three sisters, her mom and dad, and they relocated to the U.S. I'm not sure of exactly when that happened. Um, And then Mandy will continue. So she moved to the U.S. and... um, I believe she was married prior to the relationship she was in when she passed away. Um, And then they got divorced. Actually, I believe she started dating Mr. Jonah Shacknai before she was actually officially divorced. Yeah. So at the time of her death, she was 32 years old, uh, living with Jonah Shacknai, who was um, a pharmaceutical CEO for a company, um, Medici's pharmaceutical company. Um, and they lived together at his beach house in Coronado, California, along with Jonah's six-year-old son, Max, from a previous marriage. Um, Jonah Shacknai at the time was a, was 54 years old and had two divorces under his belt with three children between those two marriages. His first marriage ended in a three-year custody battle over their two children. Right. And then Max was born to Jonah's second wife, Dina. And there was some things I read online that suggested that their marriage was actually full of not so good stuff, like some domestic violence on both sides and kind of just seemed like not a great relationship. Yeah. So two days uh, prior to Rebecca's death, she was at home at the mansion with her 13-year-old sister, Zena. And Zena was actually visiting, had just gotten into town like the day prior uh, from Missouri. And Max Shacknai was home as well. And that's the six-year-old son of Jonah. Correct. Um, And so somehow Max managed to fall over a second-floor banister in the mansion, which, by the way, guys, this is like a huge mansion. I saw pictures of it, and I think I read some outrageous number of bedrooms. I don't even want to say what it was now, but it was something like 16. It's basically insulting to everyone else how many. Right. (laughs) So whenever you say second floor, it's like second floor, real housewives of Orange County. Right. Glamour, you know, chandeliers everywhere insane house. Right. The kind of place I probably would go and just not want to sit down or touch anything right. because I would just be way too uncomfortable because it's too too high class for the me. The kind of place I wouldn't be allowed to go into. So. <laughs> Good for you. They would just stop you yeah. at the door. You're, you're obviously not part of this. <laughs> so um, as I said, unfortunately, Max somehow went over the banister of that second floor and suffered spinal cord injuries as well as injuries to his head and facial bones. And um, he did not immediately pass away, but he did um, have some problems with his heart rate and his breathing and um, was taken to the hospital, you know, by paramedics after 911 was called. Um, So we went from zero deaths last week. Right. To two deaths this week. Correct. Double dose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this, even though this podcast is really about Rebecca Zahau, this information about Max, you'll see that it's relevant and very Mm -hmm. important to this story. Um, And we could probably do a whole other podcast just on Max, Jack Bay, from the information I was looking at and... Um, you know, still have a lot of material there. So maybe in the future sometime we'll have to delve a little bit more into Max. Yes. Um, So Rebecca said that she was in the bathroom at the time that this accident occurred and uh, she heard a loud crashing noise and of course came out and found Max laying on the bottom floor um, with his razor scooter and a bunch of pieces of chandelier that were broken all around him. 
And uh, she, like I said, she called up for her sister, Zena, to dial 911, which she did around, I think they said it was around 10, 10 in the morning. And the paramedics arrived just a couple of minutes later, and Max was unresponsive and taken to a children's hospital. Um, so unfortunately, Max did die on July 16th, 2011, and it was due to brain damage caused by oxygen deprivation. And his death was ruled an accident, but there was a trauma doctor who examined him before he died that said that he thought Max actually may have suffocated before his fall. Right. So that's kind of where, you know, things do get a little bit questionable with Max's death, but yeah. the official cause of death, it was ruled an accident. Yeah. And there's lots of theories on what exactly happened to him because, first of all, typically you don't ride a razor in a house, but... Who? Who doesn't? Yeah, I know. My kids ride well, scooters and trikes and all kinds of I stuff know. inside. The, the idea is not to do that. So it was a little, There's. I've read stuff that it could have been a staged sort of situation. But then if you read further, they'll talk about there being like, I think, paint peeling on part of the razor from the banister. It so, was on like the wheel of the razor, which right. of course is an odd part of the razor to be on the banister. Like, yeah, airlifted. Right. Yeah, so it was the if you watch the uh, recreations of the accident, um, I think the police officer, I'm sorry, the sheriff's department put that together. The way that they think it happened as an accident is really like one in a billion chances. But to me, I don't know, it makes more sense than something sinister with this poor little six-year-old. I don't know, I'm not buying that, any of those kind of theories at this point. I agree. Like I said, there would be a whole entire show we could do just on his death. Um, well, there wasn't as much, I think, the controversy. It seems like a really accidental thing that happened. Controversy around it, but it still feels like what happens next gets a lot like what on earth has happened. What's going on in this house is what you want to know. Right. So the following day, which is July 12th, Rebecca takes um, her sister back to the airport and is going to send her back on a plane to go back home. She was supposed to be in town for two weeks, but of course, in light of this ac yeah. terrible accident with, you know, her boyfriend's son is critically injured in the hospital, yeah. um, you know, she just probably thought it was better to go ahead and send her sister back home so that she could be with, you know, Max and the family and, you know, just do what she needed to do. Yeah. In that situation. Um, so she took the sister to the airport. And then while she was there, she picked up uh, Jonah Shackney's brother, Adam. Ugh. And he came into town from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and I, I allegedly he had come to help um, his brother in the wake of Max's accident. Right. So, I mean. Can that's... we talk about his line of work? Because yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this was even a thing, to be honest. My son would love to do this one day. But he was a or is a tugboat captain. A tugboat captain. <laughs> that is a very specific type <laughs> of captain. I, I, yeah, that just seems like what a little kid would write down on their first day of school. Like, I want to be a tugboat captain. And he lived his dreams. Still a piece of crap man, but he lived his dreams. <laughs> so at this point, Rebecca's picked up Adam. She's gone to, I maybe she's gone to the hospital. I don't know if they ever actually said that she went to visit him at the hospital. I don't think she did. Yeah. Understandable, I guess, because there are a lot of questions surfacing about what happened. And she's just the girlfriend, too. Yeah. So I'm sure Max's mother would really not be thrilled yeah. to have her showing up at the Hi, hospital. were you watching my son when he died and now you're in the hospital? Get out. Yeah. Right. Totally agree. So Rebecca, John, and Adam ate dinner at McDonald's. And then, uh, which no hate on McDonald's, love McDonald's. Mandy got us some McDonald's on her way here tonight. I did. <laughs> We're living the dream. And um, so then Rebecca and Adam, so um, Adam's the brother, they returned to the beach house. Um, there were reports that night later from the neighbors that there was loud music playing. Um, and even that there was a scream for help, I read. Um the loud music doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're grieving and going through this. Like who was having a party Yeah, that it's night? not a party. Um, and you'd think that, especially if you're under any kind of suspicion or there, there's questions about what's going on, you're going to be low key, laying low, you know, answering cops questions, whatever. So yeah, there's lots of loud music. And then again, somebody said they heard a female screaming. Um, during that time, Jonah is at the hospital supposedly at his son's bedside, um, his ex-wife, Dina Romano, um, 
is there as well. So Jonah actually leaves the hospital at some point and goes to take a break at the Ronald McDonald Ronald McDonald House near the hospital. I have questions about that too. I have questions about everything. I do too. But so this is a man who I actually had read. Um, of course, he's a multimillionaire. He's sure. a CEO of this Medici's pharmaceutical company, and um, I had I was trying I was just curious about what his income was, you know, around that time, and I really couldn't find anything solid except for um, there was one thing I found that said that in 1998, um, with his previous wife, right. he had filed a tax return that showed his income to be. Almost $17 million. So to be fair, that was mine last year as well. Right. In my dreams. <laughs> Very that typical. I every night. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is a man, of course, who has a lot of money. So right. I understand that the Ronald McDonald House is yeah. a service to right. peop, you know, families in need like right. that. Um, but if Jonah they're all Shackley driving was around. not in need, A, he could yeah. definitely, and, and you would think that a man of his you know, stature right. would just want to get like a hotel room or something. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the whole thing about him. That is weird. Leaving to go to the Ronald McDonald house and all that. I don't know. Um, to, you know, it, it seems not weird if you just at face value take right. it, but then the details of this case go on and on. And then you're kind of like, well, you know, that is kind of weird that he would do that instead of either going home or getting a nice hotel room nearby right. the hospital where he would have his own private yeah. space and, you know, have his own, be able to do his own thing. Well, to be honest, you'd also think that there would be a chance, no hate on anybody, but if he didn't have anything else going on, that you would stay at your child's bedside. You're getting this terrible news. I understand you need a break, but if this is day one, this isn't a three month down the road, you need right. a break. So, but I don't know. His ex-wife was there and she was a little loony as we, <laughs> we thought. So maybe he just couldn't take it anymore. So take that as however you want. <laughs> so, um, so that was that for the night of July 12th. Um, everybody is now accounted for. Rebecca and Jonah's brother are at the mansion doing who knows what. And, and there's a guest um, house that he's actually staying in because, of course, there's a guest house. Of course there is. I house. would be surprised if there was only one guest yeah. house. Um, so, okay. So now we're up to um, the next day, which is July 13th. Uh, at 6.48 a.m., Adam Shackney calls 911 to report that he had found uh, Rebecca Zahau hanging from a balcony. Um, it, it was one of the bedrooms that had a balcony attached right. um, in the mansion. And... Uh, she was naked with her hands and feet bound with a red rope um, and very elaborate ties around both her wrists and ankles. Right. Um, and she had a, a long sleeve blue T-shirt tied around her head and stuffed into her mouth as if she was gagged or whatever you want to call it. Um, there was also some tape residue found on her legs that was never really further investigated, um, as we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, so after he called 911, he apparently cut down the body. This is what he says. He yeah. cut them down, cut her down before paramedics or anybody right. arrived. So keep that in mind going forward as we continue talking about this, that um, anytime you look up this story, it tells you that Rebecca Zahau was found hanging. Yeah. Well, really, we don't know if she was found hanging. That's just what Adam Shackney, the only person present, right. said was the case. And um, But when the paramedics and police arrived, she was already on the ground. Yeah. Had supposedly been cut down already at that point. Um, at this point, you should be putting on your tinfoil hats with us yes. because we're going to go real deep here. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of room for, for going down a really deep rabbit hole with this one. And um, and I did, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I spent many hours just reading all over the internet and just trying to make sense of all of this. And the, it's always crazy when a lot of theories make sense. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> um, so the paramedics arrived and attempted to revive her, but she was pronounced dead there at the scene. Um, investigators, when they were going through to collect evidence and searching through the house and in the room where she had supposedly jumped to her death, um, they found a very strange note painted in black paint on right. the door leading to that bedroom. And um, the note read, she saved him. Can you save her? What? That makes zero no, sense. <laughs> I, I, yeah, where, what do you even gather from that? That's I, it makes no sense. And Rebecca's family members said that that was not her handwriting. So, in fairness, 
if I painted something, it's not my regular handwriting. You're right. painting with a brush. So right. that argument from them didn't make a lot of sense. But it made more sense to say, that's the craziest thing I've ever read. She wouldn't have written that. Also, she didn't save him. So what's happening here? Right. And um, and like, why is it written in the third person? Like, why would yeah, she yeah. write it? you know, in the third person or even, you know, even if it was a murder, that still doesn't really make, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really make a ton of sense. Typically when there's a suicide though, and somebody's feeling remorse or something, they're going to leave something that says either, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I couldn't save them or please forgive me or something, but not this like random it's I like a know. riddle that you're yeah. leaving behind. Oh my goodness. We right. don't need this on top of this case. You don't need a riddle in the middle right. of it. So did you happen to listen to the 911 calls from Adam? I listened to the, yeah, I listened to the one that he called that morning. And I mean, I could barely get past all the heavy breathing, yeah. first of all. <laughs> he is not a man. You, well, that is a big house. You know, honestly, it could have been a little rough to get around. I mean, but where was he going? <laughs> yeah, that's not clear. But he, he... He didn't know the address. He did not know the address, which... Okay, whatever. But he didn't know her name. He never said Rebecca. He said her. There's a woman hanging from the balcony. Really, buddy. You like, I'm sure the conversation is, how did this happen on Rebecca's watch? What was going on with Rebecca? You couldn't figure out her name. In a five-minute call, he had to have said she or her 10 times, but never had a personal touch with it. You know, by just saying her name, it makes it more... I don't know. Personal. Less, less sketchy to me, <laughs> yeah. really, that you care about this person. He was like, the 911 operator was irritated that he did not know the address. She was not having that today. And he was irritated that he didn't know the address. It was a lot of drama right in that call. It really was. And then I, I, there was one of the, we're in some, we follow like several of the podcast groups on Facebook and try to interact on there, um, not just with fellow podcasters, but also with listeners. And I saw, either yesterday or it was sometime earlier this week, but there was um, a post somebody had asked, like, don't you get so annoyed sometimes listening to the 911 calls calls because, um, you know, you know, you know, the operators have to try and stay level headed and calm and get the information that they need. But sometimes it does come across like they're being very like non-urgent about getting the information. And that was one of the things in this case with the call, you know, she was like, well, I can't help you until you tell me the address. Like, you know, like like, holding her candy and her kid wasn't doing his homework or something. You're like, what? My mom was a 911 operator a little bit when I was younger. And that just seemed like the most stressful job in the world. You have to know so much and you're transferring information and all of that. But whenever you're telling somebody, somebody's hanging from a balcony, like, how do we not have GPS to figure out where that call is from right. coming from? How can you not figure it out like immediately? I know. Yeah. I agree. And um, Why can't you say my brother's really rich? Can you just Google this? Please we'll right. Google where we live. Right. Well, I've actually had to call 911 recently, not because of any like real emergency, but there was a vehicle on fire in front of my house. But You know, I, it happens. Yeah. We're in Florida. Yeah, it was a little <laughs> scary. But uh, when I called, they actually gave me kind of the runaround. I mean, like they answered and didn't even, I mean, the first thing they asked, like, oh, do you need fire, medical yeah. or, or police? And I said, uh, I need fire. And she's like, okay, let me transfer your call. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. Don't you have like, I know. can't you like get the fire truck on the way yeah. on your own? <laughs> Could you just start this and then we'll come back to it? I called one time about some homeless men I saw fighting under a bridge. Well, I'm terrible with directions. So as they're like, I was so upset about it and I felt terrible because they were just beating the bag out of each other. And the 911 operator asked where it was. And I was like, oh, it's under such and such bridge. Well, it actually wasn't. It was under a bridge like five miles in the other direction. So if there's an emergency, you do not want me on the scene. I will not be able to help you. Not if we're counting on you to give directions. No. If there's a 7-Eleven nearby or a Chick-fil-A, I can tell you all those kind of things. But don't try and tell me roads, north, south, east, west. I don't think so. <laughs> Just like Lenny Kravitz, I want to get away. I want to fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while I'm stuck on the ground for now, I can settle for a new kind of journey, all with a fun mobile game. Step into the enchanting world of June Parker with June's Journey, where a spectacular adventure awaits you. And the best part? No plane tickets needed. 
bid farewell to the ordinary and immerse yourself in a realm where intrigue dances with elegance, all thanks to the drama-filled escapades of our charming heroine, June Parker. Whether you crave a captivating mystery or simply wish to escape the humdrum of daily life, June's journey is your portal to excitement. Join June on her quest to uncover hidden family secrets and navigate the tangled web surrounding her sister's demise. So slip into your virtual flapper dress and dive into a world where each corner holds a new clue and every twist leaves you on the edge of your seat. But hold on to your pearls because June's journey is no ordinary mobile game. I'm knee deep in the fifth chapter and each section is really more delightful than the last. From the breathtaking scenery to the catchy tunes, every aspect oozes sophistication and refinement. So don't hesitate any longer, step into June's world and let the thrilling adventure unfold. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Want to get away? Yeah, I do too. But since that's not really on the agenda anytime soon, I'll have to settle for a different kind of journey. And you can too, all with a fun mobile game. June's Journey allows you to enter the realm of June Parker, where an extraordinary adventure awaits. Best of all, no plane tickets needed. Say goodbye to the ordinary and immerse yourself in a world where intrigue meets elegance, courtesy of the drama-filled exploits of June Parker. Whether you're in need of a riveting mystery or simply yearning to escape the monotony of everyday life, June's Journey is your gateway to excitement. Follow June as she unravels hidden family secrets and navigates the intricate web surrounding her sister's demise. It's sort of like an upscale soiree minus the dull weather discussions, although we secretly enjoy those too. But hold on to your pearls as June's Journey is no ordinary mobile game. I'm deep in the fifth chapter with each section proving more enjoyable than the last. From the awe-inspiring scenery to the catchy tunes, every aspect of June's Journey exudes sophistication and refinement. Don't hesitate any longer. Step into June's world and let the thrilling adventure commence. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. So the police had forensics and toxicology testing done on Rebecca's body, of course, as part of her autopsy. Right. Um, But on September 2nd, that same year, um, her death was formally announced as a suicide. So even with all these weird, weird circumstances, um, they're saying that she definitely committed suicide. So what they're alleging here is that she tied herself up, stuffed her own mouth with a T-shirt and tied it around her head, and... Somehow, with her hands tied behind her back in these nope. intricate knots, managed to hop her way over, you yeah. know, to rig up this whole thing. Like, there was um, allegedly the rope was tied around a bed Mandy that was used in the air room. quotes for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I like rolled my eyes yeah. too. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, She had supposedly tied this rope around this bed and this elaborate like thing and then hopped her way over to the balcony and I guess flung herself off head first also from what they say. Yeah. She just dove off the balcony. Thought she was bungee jumping? It doesn't make sense. Right. Well, here's how I know this wasn't a suicide. They found her naked. If you are a woman and you're going to kill yourself, I do not want to be found like that. I'm going to have on like winter clothes as many layers as possible and then... Maybe like glamour shots right before, so I look really good for my casket, but you will not find me naked. If you find me naked, something has gone wrong. Right. <laughs> Everything has gone and, wrong. And I um, I apologize for not knowing the exact sort. We read so many things on these cases. This was a rabbit And it hole. all gets just mixed up in your brain, but on something I read, I'm not sure if it's 125% credible, but um, it's not. someone <laughs> said that... Um, Rebecca actually had some body issues that she had suffered with before. Mm -hmm. So that like they also were saying that it was very unlikely that she would have intentionally stripped down and like did that, you know, which like you said, for any woman, really, it just really seems Mm -mm. bizarre to like completely get naked and and it just doesn't really add up. not trying for Playboy as you jump off a balcony, for goodness sake. So during the police investigations, they obtained warrants for Rebecca's cell phone records and, of course, took the phone into evidence, right. um, which I think is just pretty much standard yeah. procedure just for them to gather as much information as possible about what happened in the hours leading up to this. Right. Um, and those records did show that from roughly 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., she was talking and texting with her older sister, Mary. And Mary was confirming that the younger one, Zena, who had gotten on a plane... Um, who is not a warrior princess, which is very right. exciting. <laughs> um, but Zena had made it home safely. And uh, at about 10.48 p.m., Nina, who is the twin sister of Max's mom, Dina. So right. 
try to keep this clear. I'm doing this weird hand motion because yeah. I have one side Dina, one side Nina. Dina is Max's mother. Nina is her twin sister. Can I tell you who Dina and Nina remind me of? <laughs> Do you watch 90 Day Fiance? I don't watch People. anything. <laughs> okay. You have to watch 90 Day Fiance, the new whatever, before the 90 days. There is a lady named Darcy and her sister named Stacy, and they both look a little rough, but they apparently looked better a few years ago. That's what they look like. If you like true crime, a lot of time you like trash TV as well. So I think there's somebody that's getting my reference. Is that a thing? Those two go together? Yeah, I think, well, I do it, so I assume everyone does. So anyway, if you need a visual, it's Darcy and Stacy or Nina and whatever her name is. Dina. Dina. And please stop naming your kids, (laughs) twin kids rhyming names. It's terrible for them. It's like a perpetual, like, matching outfit for twins, yeah, but you life. can't get rid of it. <laughs> and if you've named your kids that, I'm sure it's great. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So at 1048, Nina sends Rebecca a text message basically just saying that she wants to stop by the house to speak with Rebecca about Max's accident. Sure. This is late at night. Okay. Yeah. Um, Rebecca did not respond to this message, which personally I wouldn't either because yeah. things are very raw and emotional at this time. Yeah. And there is absolutely zero chance that I'm going to let this child's aunt come to my house at 11 o'clock at night yeah. when I'm sure they all want my head on a stick as it is. Absolutely. And so I would just ignore it as well. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't really surprise me that yeah. she did not answer that message. No. Um, but a few hours later, at 12.50 in the morning on July 13th, so this is technically the day, you she know, died. she died mm-hmm. a few hours after this, um, there was um, an indication on the phone records that she checked her voicemail, mm-hmm. but the billing records don't show who left that message, which I'm a little that. confused by. Yeah, because I would think that, like, all the numbers that are incoming, even if it went to voicemail, you would still know this is the number that called would right be before. missed or something, right? right? So that doesn't... Unless you're on the phone, hold on. (laughs) Unless you're on the phone when you call somebody and it goes right to voicemail, does that still happen? Are that house phones? We all have call waiting now. (laughs) Okay, I went back to 1992. Go ahead. Okay, so. The message was deleted by Rebecca herself, so there's only speculation on what that voicemail said that she listened to at 12:50 in the morning. Right. So they, um, there, the police were not able to hear the message, but I guess for some odd reason they feel like it's true enough to tell um, the family members that what that message was was from Jonah Shacknai telling Rebecca that his son Max was not going to be expected to make it. Right. Um, and that his condition had worsened and they were preparing for the worst at right. this point. Um, again, there's no proof that that's what the message said. Not a soul has heard that message because Rebecca herself deleted it. So... Well, this reminds me of another case, which is the Making a Murder Stephen Avery case. Where I the, love that case. Okay. So we're on the same page. Remember when the ex-boyfriend, like, goes into her phone? What's her face's phone? The main girl. Teresa? Yes. Goes into her phone and listens to and deletes some messages. And uh-huh. so then they're gone and nobody can do anything about it. Telephone companies, cell phone companies do better. Have a backup. Right. Can we do something? I know. And I mean... Kind of a slippery slope, Melissa. <laughs> but if they get a warrant, I don't I want really it. want all of my messages and what kind things of messages are you leaving people? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, we joke all the time, like delete my search history, oh, delete all of my texts. Like yeah. definitely our, you know, chat on Facebook. You better delete all that uh, before Messenger. anybody sees any. Of I'll be that. in prison before the night's over. <laughs> so Rebecca's autopsy results were pretty perplexing, confusing. Um, They revealed four separate instances of head trauma, uh, which investigators expressed various theories over where they came from. The San Diego medical examiner stated, quote, because there was evidence that she went over the balcony in a non-vertical position, she may have stuck her head on the balcony, struck her head on the balcony on the way down. That makes zero sense. No. She was like free falling from this balcony, uh, allegedly. It right. doesn't make any sense. Um, so forensic consultant and criminal psychologist Maurice Godwin, which if you follow Up and Vanished, true crime podcast, uh, the story of Tara Grinstead, you know Maurice. You know his accent. You know everything about him. You love him. He was like my favorite part of the whole thing. Um, So he was doubtful of the theory, stating that the chances of bumping into the railing, going over the balcony, and hitting your head four times is highly unlikely. Which it is. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have liked to get that consultant money just to tell them that. 
Um, so Rebecca's family was also suspicious of the fact that her hands and feet were bound. Again, duh. Right. Um, her hands were tied behind her back in a very specific type of nautical knot, um, as well as the um, all of the knots being tied on the rope being very complex knots. And again, our boy Adam, not our boy, can't stand this dude. No. <laughs> he was a boop, boop. i might edit that out he was a tugboat (laughs) captain so these if you watch we'll we'll post on our um uh, under this uh sort of the the video links but you have to see this reenactment of these knots these are not like basic boy scout knots either right they're like and let me tell you, the, the most complicated knot I can do is a double knot on a shoelace, okay? <laughs> like, I cannot. I say that There's too. no way. If someone even told me to, like, tie up a boat, I mean, they would not want me to do it because it would no. float away from the dock, okay? I yeah. cannot tie those types of knots. I'd be like, can I just hold it? I, I can hold it better than this. Yeah, so it's the most complicated knot. So basically, she would have to do this elaborate knot butt naked around her arms. In the front. In the front. She would have to do it in the front first. And then slip an arm out, crawl over it, step over it, naked again. Right. And then move her other hand in there. Oh, oh but she would have to do it. After I don't know her how. legs are tied. After her legs are already tied. So she would have to do like What a, kind of balance do you have? Right. No. It Nobody. Just, there's literally no possible way. Well, I guess it's possible because the police did determine that it was quote unquote possible. There she goes with those air fingers but again. <laughs> just because something is possible doesn't mean that's the truth of the right. matter. It just means like, okay, we tried this out and yeah, it's possible, but yeah. it's still highly unlikely. Yeah. So Manny's very not with that. <laughs> but yeah, so it. if you watch, first of all, watch the video because all I could think is if somebody asked me, hey, Melissa, why don't you tie all these knots? Um, we're going to videotape you um, doing all these things and just stand here for a minute. <laughs> Tell them no, don't do that. Have somebody else do it. You're being conned and <laughs> you're next to die. Don't do this. So there was also um, a small amount of blood found on Rebecca's legs, and the forensic pathologist said that it was either menstrual blood or bleeding from, like, an intrauterine device. Um, But he didn't offer any explanation for that tape residue that I mentioned. Right. So um, about the blood from the legs, you know, I kind of said I thought that was a little odd to Melissa earlier today, and she kind of pointed out that, you know, maybe if she was – having that time of the month, that wouldn't be that unusual. Yeah. Um, well, and it, also, yeah, like we were talking about you, they talk about when somebody's died that their bodily functions kind of happen. Just, just happen. Right. Yeah. So it wouldn't be so unusual that that, to me, that. But again, that if she better. was on her monthly cycle, it we're seems delicate. very odd that she would strip down naked, have absolutely no like, protection for lack of a better word right and then do this i i don't know i'm just we really, are not team suicide i'm not all. team it's, suicide if that's not clear by now yeah i'm not we're, we're not buying this um so on september 7th uh, the private forensic consultant maurice godwin told a reporter that rebecca's suicide was staged and that it, in his opinion someone had dazed her essentially with um some blows to the back of the head and then tossed her over the balcony right so this is the theory that i personally subscribe yeah. to um it makes the most sense to me yeah and i don't understand how her death can be ruled a suicide given these other strange things that just don't you know, add up. Right. And you can't simply write off things like four, you know, blows to the head yeah. as irrelevant because obviously they're irrelevant. You know, something happened to her and it wasn't just that she hit her head on, you know, yeah, on, the, on way the way down. down. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so her body was actually, um, the family had her body, her family had her body exhumed and a second autopsy performed. And the results of that were that it was unlikely that she died from hanging. What? So this is really interesting because the whole time I was already thinking this. I was already thinking, you know, oh my gosh, Adam just says that he cut her down before the police arrived. And to me, it was already a little bit weird that we're just taking Adam's, you know, like I said, who's the only person there. And, you know, you're taking his story as the truth. Right. And um, so whenever I read that, that the second autopsy result, and this was, of course, done from a private an independent, um, an independent right. Mm-hmm. Not from the state or, you know, the police didn't assign this. Um, 
So they said that um, it was unlikely that she died from hanging uh, because her neck was not fractured in any way. And I'm not an expert on what bones look like in certain types of deaths, but um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense to me that there would be some, you know, classic things that you would see with different manners of death that you would right. see across the board and be like, yep, that's definitely a sign of that, yeah, yeah. you know. So there was nothing like that. Um the attorney, Keith Greer, told reporters that the type of injury was actually more consistent with a strangling type of death. Mm -hmm. So this is where, um, you know, to me, I just feel like the evidence is stacking up and the fingers are being pointed directly and squarely on Adam Shackney because now we have this rope, which I also read that was uh, actually a special type of rope that was really used for water sports like what right. you would attach a tube to a back of a boat with to do tubing or whatever so hey, anthony curcio could have right. been a part of this <laughs> so you know it does seem a little bit odd that that type of rope was used and right. just so happens there's a tugboat captain yeah around. if you if you look at any of the pictures not like the death pictures because i can never handle that but they showed like pictures of the rope and stuff it's it's a serious rope. And if she is so overwhelmed, like the idea that uh, Jonah's family is kind of putting out there is that she became so overwhelmed with what she had allegedly done to this poor little boy that she decides to kill herself. Basically, within an hour, I think is what they thought. Within an hour, an hour and a half, they assume that's when she actually died. So they're saying that she came up with this plan, executed it, has no background in... I think her sister said they might not have even really went swimming when they were little. Like, no water, sports, water, whatever. She's not a tugboat captain, for right. sure. And I would like to know if they checked her Google, because that would be the <laughs> thing I always do. I Google everything. They did. Oh, they look at found, that, Mandy. They did. They searched... Um, I was going to talk about that later. They did oh. search the computer inside... Um, the computers that were inside of the mansion, and there was no search results with hits for anything like... Um, hanging or how to tie knots or um, any of those number of things. Like they, of course, looked for certain key terms and there was absolutely zero searches that would be related to her looking up information on how to do this. Right. So basically we're supposed to believe, like you said, that she just came up with this idea and set it all up and just did it in yeah. a matter of an hour or two. Because yeah. they did say um, that they believe that her time of death was sometime between one and three in the morning. Right. So she just listened to that voicemail at 12.50 a.m., um, gets so upset right and makes this plan and just does it and if you see like the diagrams of how this was or even the reenactments that we watched um you would see that it was really quite elaborate i mean the way that they had the rope tied around the bed and like just all these different things it was it would have easily taken her a good a amount of time take, yeah. right to even set this up mm -hmm. and then you know i don't think there was no evidence that she was suicidal or depressed or had right. ever experienced anything like that in her yeah. history. So uh, it's hard for me to make, yeah. you know, it's hard for me to go from, oh, she, you know, got really grief stricken and killed her, yeah. you know, and just did that. I don't, I don't think so. Well, another thing that was mentioned is typically when somebody hangs themselves, they do it from something above them. And this is a huge house. There's, Obviously, there was a huge chandelier. I'm sure the ceilings are high. There's more options there than most houses, I guess. So to throw yourself off a balcony isn't really typical at all of what somebody would do. I mean, you've... I don't even... I don't understand how you get to like be like, oh, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. That doesn't make any sense. That's right. bonkers. It, like you said, it's just it's too elaborate. Like yeah. you said, I mean, and really, I don't have the exact statistics, but I've read before and you know looked up information before on um, the different ways. Basically, there are statistics, and women typically do not commit suicide in a violent fashion like that. Right. Um, it's usually more along the lines of like overdosing right. or something less painful really you know yeah. women are not i don't want to say that they're too chicken to do do that but t basically that's what the like studies have shown that women just don't really have that they're not able to do yeah. that you know well, i think that and um i've read that um women typically don't want somebody to find them in these not necessarily they nude, still consider what's going to happen right. when somebody comes to find me whereas some men might not do the same thing but women are thinking somebody's going to come in here and I don't want to make it terrible for them too. Right. 
Step into the glitzy world of June's journey and prepare for an adventure that's out of this world. Get ready to ditch the dull and dive into a world where mystery meets glamour and where June Parker's drama-filled escapades will have you hooked faster than you can say, flapper dress. Whether you're itching for a whodunit fix or just craving an escape from the mundane, June's journey is your ticket to excitement. Follow June as she unravels family secrets and untangles the web of mystery surrounding her sister's death. It's like joining a high society soiree, but with way more intrigue and way fewer dull conversations about the weather. Just kidding. You know we love a weather chat. So slip into your virtual flapper dress and immerse yourself in a world where every corner holds a new clue and every twist keeps you guessing. But hold on to your pearls because June's journey isn't just another run-of-the-mill mobile game. I'm already knee-deep in the fifth chapter of June's journey, and each chapter is more fun than the last. From the breathtaking scenery to the toe-tapping music, everything about June's journey screams class. So what are you waiting for? Step into June's world and let the adventure begin. Can you crack the case? Download June's journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So there was actually some more evidence that was found at the scene um, that is not really talked about as much in this case. I had to do a little deep digging to find this um, because it's kind of very much been pushed under the rug, in my opinion. Um, But they found blood and a clump of hair in the bathroom and a latex glove that had mixed DNA in in the room. Um, They also found a pair of women's underwear and some more clumps of hair in the guest house where um, Adam was staying. So... Not our boy Adam. Right. And Adam and Rebecca were the only two on, you know, on the mansion property. On campus. (laughs) There were only two on campus. Yeah. So I guess what that would mean is that at some point she either went over to the guest house willingly or not Not willingly. willingly, Um, but there was, like I said, underwear and more hair. I didn't, it didn't say it was her hair. I'm assuming it was otherwise what I read there. They wouldn't have mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and, um, the other interesting thing is that they did not find Rebecca's DNA on the balcony that she supposedly jumped from. Right. So check uh, out these pictures because they they kept pointing to like these dusted prints and like how dirty. I never saw a clear picture of no. what they were seeing. They're like, and then there's a footprint here and there. I, I know. Like, I'm like, where? Huh. <laughs> Maybe my life is just so dusty and dirty that everything looks normal to me, but I couldn't see anything. Right. <laughs> so there was some other, um, so there was another interesting thing that Melissa doesn't want to talk about, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's very relevant. <laughs> you can talk about it. But, bring it. <laughs> um, Adam Shack and I actually told detectives initially that he had spent the morning before he found Rebecca hanging, allegedly, um, looking at some bondage type pornographic material on his cell phone. So what are the odds of that? That he yeah. admits that he's watching this like bondage porn and then, wow, she's found bound and gagged yeah. and supposedly hung. Like that's a little bit too much of a coincidence yeah. for me. Well, you know what I was just thinking about? So this is West Coast, right? And he's coming from Memphis, Tennessee. He finds her at 648 in the morning. What is that in Tennessee? Like 348? Yeah, why is he awake? Why would he, like his body would not be acclimated to this? So it's really strange to me that he's just like, oh, I should get my morning coffee and start and just go strolling around. Yeah. Right. I always thought the time that he found her was really, really weird too. Yeah. Um, and we didn't mention that after he gets off the phone with nine one one and has like a spat with the nine one one operator, he texts Jonah to say, text. Text. "Oh, by the way, your girlfriend committed yeah. suicide." Uh, sorry, a lot going on, but your girlfriend killed herself. What? That doesn't make sense. That, I know we've gotten into like a culture of texting, but I feel like finding a dead body is worth a call. At, at their home. Yeah, at like, their home. But this isn't just like, oh, this happened, you know, down the street. This is at your house and right. I'm going to text text you yeah. and say. We know he can use a phone. He just called 911. Right. He doesn't do great. And he, he knows that it. his brother is 
at the bedside of his son who right. is, you know, critically injured and, you know, is right. possibly not going to make it, has not died yet at this point. Right. But um, or it just least, seems odd to send yeah. a text message Or like for a that. text like, call me when you have a chance. Something right. like that. Like, I need you to step out and... <laughs> that's information you want delivered, you know, at least with a human voice on the other end. Um, one thing I found kind of interesting is Jonathan's... Um, what he said to the press or whatever, what he, his comments were about his, uh, about Max and Rebecca. He said, uh, quote, Max was an extraordinarily loving, happy, talented, and special little boy. He brought joy to everyone who knew him and we will miss him desperately. Now, Rebecca, who he's been in love with for two years, he says, Rebecca too was a wonderful and unique person who will always have a special place in my heart. What? I mean, I just feel like there's no like emotion. I feel like he's done with her. Like, does that sound like somebody you love? I mean, oh, it's just hard to say because at this point, like, they don't really know well, the yeah. full details of what happened True. to Max. And then, of course, I think it would be hard as a parent to not hold the adult in charge responsible if your child is critically injured, yeah. you know, on and under suspicion. their care. Right. Yeah. And especially because then you had the one guy coming out and saying that they thought he was potentially suffocated before. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, well, what's going on here? Like, what, right. did, you know, did you do something to my son before, you know? Yeah. So it's almost one of these bizarre, like, you know, did, was Max's death like intentional and then staged yeah. to look like something else? And then now we have this happen with Rebecca and right. like, it looks like it could be staged to be something what, you know, other than what's being reported. And right. so it really is a very, very bizarre case with a lot of twists and turns and, um, you know, you could go, like I said, down the rabbit hole. There's a ton of Reddit threads. All the web sleuths are all on top of this case. Yeah. And, um, we found a new one today with like 4,000 links and I was stressed how we were going to get it. Right. And I, yeah, I sent it to her this afternoon and I was like, uh, I found this is a new thing we haven't looked at yet. I just had to close my browser and say, I have enough information. Yeah. I, can't, <laughs> I cannot even take any more in. <laughs> um, so one thing uh, we didn't talk about is after all this happen, Adam actually was given a polygraph test. And I'm used to polygraph tests from like Maury, where you just see somebody <laughs> and they like ask a question and they give a thumbs up or thumbs down, but they're not interactive <laughs> with the person at all. Right. So, um, so he was not the baby's daddy, but, um, so anyway, so during this, I had to look again to see, is this actually the polygraph test? Because the guy's literally giving the exam but before this he's talking to him like oh um man what do you think happened do you think she committed suicide and he's like yeah absolutely when I saw it I thought suicide and I'm thinking aren't these kind of leading questions or right. like what business is it of yours just pull up your machine hook things up and and I thought they were supposed down. to be yes or no right like if you start talking well, was, and telling a story of course like it was you're like not the gonna... conversation before so it's not actually the conver like the questions but on they I they had to have edited it, but you know you normally hear like a baseline question. Is your name Adam? Yes, no. Um, so they asked him some questions and he said to um Adam at the end, he said, Well, it's not a great it's not great and it's not the worst. It's inconclusive. So we don't really know. And and you know, to me, like, okay, well, I know polygraphs aren't hundred percent, but like let's look a little bit more at Tugboat Captain over here, because what is he doing? <laughs> like, why? Right. What does he have to lie about? Right. Really? I mean. And there has to be some statistic out there, too, about. <laughs> to there ha there's a statistic for everything. Yeah. But there has to be some legitimate statistic and study done on, like, the percentage of times that the person who finds the body and calls it in is actually the one who's right. responsible. It's like an arsonist going back to a fire. Right. Like, so, to me, you know, Adam... There's pretty incriminating evidence against him, if you ask me. Please um, never contact us. Please don't tell him we talked about him. Nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but because there was another actually interesting thing that from those um, reenactments that we had discussed that um, they had done to determine basically if it was if certain things were possible to actually have happened. Right. If she if the death happened the way that they're saying it did that she right. jumped off the balcony on her own accord um but as i mentioned before the um rope was anchored to a bed in the room and right. um it oh, was yeah. a decent sized bed it was either a full or a queen um and in the actual 
scene, crime scene, if you will. Scene. <laughs> the scene. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Got it. <laughs> the actual crime scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the bed was only moved maybe a few inches. And so they could tell that because, you know, whenever you have a bed on carpet, that there'll be like an indentation, right. you know, on the four where the four posts were. And so they could tell that the bed had been moved slightly, mm-hmm. which of course isn't really that surprising. That's what you would expect if the weight of a body was, you know, right. Attached to it and thrown off. Exactly. Um, so they did cut when they did the reenactment, they used a weighted bag, like a punching bag or right. a boxing bag or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. A punching bag. We don't know. Sure, I'll go punching. <laughs> and they had it set, of course, to the same way, roughly as Rebecca. Right. And they tied um, tied the rope around a bed, set the scene, you know, just like they were reenacting it, and um, threw this bag off the balcony from varying heights. They had done it where it was like, oh, if she had just like stepped over or yeah. if, if someone had actually thrown her over. They tried it several different ways. Yeah. Well, each and every single time, um, that they did this, the bed that the um, rope was attached to actually jerked more like several feet. Right. So um, it is a little strange that in the real case, um, the bed was only moved a few inches. So, you know, like I said, I feel like everything is kind of pointing to the fact that um, this was not a suicide Um you know, and of course her family insists that she never would kill herself, which yeah. everybody's family will. They always, if it's questionable, always, right. But yeah. Um, typically. Right. I mean, but at least if there's ever any signs of anything like that, you would, you know, you usually will hear the parents say, oh, well, you know, when she was a teenager, she suffered with, you know, yeah, yeah. this, that, and the other. But um, there was nothing like that. They were very insistent that she would have never done that. She had actually spoken to family members and made, uh, you know, plans for not too far in the future, but like for the following coming weeks and, you know, basically carried on as if there was, she wasn't planning on ending her life at that point. So, um, like I said, I just, I don't know about Adam. I just, well, his, another thing, food for thought, his DNA was nowhere on the rope that he supposedly cut her down from. So if he's cutting her down from the rope, there's going to be something right. there. But if you're using gloves to kind of set this whole scene, you might not remember, take the gloves off, take the knife, cut it. So how <laughs> how how do you cut somebody off and your DNA is not nowhere around? Right. And um, honestly, even if he didn't use – like you would think that if he was really trying to stage this whole thing, saying that he cut her down would be the perfect excuse to have your his DNA, DNA on yeah. her body. So that way actually you would have your tracks, I feel like, even more covered just in case you did mess up somewhere. You would you say – You to kill somebody. Here right. you go, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I get myself into a lot of trouble <laughs> with these types of conversations. Um, but, but yeah, there was no – none of that. And so basically though the whole place, aside from those few – uh, pieces of evidence that I mentioned a little bit ago. Um, pretty much the whole crime scene, though, was free of a lot of DNA. Yeah. So um, that, to me, says that somebody took a lot of care in doing this and, you know, maybe did a quick sweep of the place and tried to, you know, get rid of any evidence. And, you know, something like this, especially with the blows to the back of the head, um, it would be a quick thing. It doesn't necessarily mean there was a struggle that you would see a lot of different things. There was a chair, I think, overturned in the bedroom, um, which, you know, some argue that that is a sign of a struggle. Although one tipped over chair. Look at my house. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, I can't say. (laughs) Well, yeah. And if she's like going to kill herself, does she really care if she leaves the room in disarray? It's right. Whatever. You know, that doesn't really make any sense to me, but, um, also, uh, I, I don't think we talked about this. Dina's sister, Nina apparently showed up to the house that night, knocked on the door, nobody answered, she left. So as this kind of goes forward, the family of Rebecca decides to file a wrongful death suit and names Dina Nina and Adam as the defendants, I guess. Right. How does that work? Right. Um, So, and suing them for several million dollars. I think 10. 10, yeah. I mean, any million dollars is right. a lot of million dollars. But um, so um, so they were all on the family's radar. They were all people who benefited in a way, I guess, from Rebecca's death. I'm not entirely sure the husband 
please don't tell anybody. I tell him I told you this, but I'm not entirely sure the husband wasn't so upset. He asked for help or I don't know. I don't know what I think. I never know what I think. I'll tell you what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's very clear right now that I think Adam murdered her. Yeah. Um, Allegedly. Allegedly. I just think the evidence points to that strongly. I don't see how the the evidence that they have has been basically written off as irrelevant. I think it's all worth looking into. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense why you would just say that none of these things are important to take note of when clearly they are. Um, now, tinfoil hat time. As we said, um, Jonah is a very, very rich man. So you never really want to think of like things being bought with money, but right. it happens, folks. All the time. Yeah, I wouldn't happens. know. I don't have enough money to bribe anyone into no. anything. But when you're talking $17 million <laughs> income in one year, mm-hmm. you're kind of in the ballpark where you might be able to pay yeah. some people to um, kind of turn their backs on certain things. Yeah. I did read um, when he was doing renovations on his house earlier in the, a few years before maybe, he was donating to a lot of campaigns to – um, get special permits and stuff for his house. Don't know if that's true. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> um, so, you know, money equals power, unfortunately. So, um, I don't know. I think it, it, it doesn't make sense to just say we're, we're done looking here. There's too many things that don't add up. Right. Um, so I think that, um, I don't think Rebecca was ever hanging off the balcony. I think that the evidence doesn't point to that at all. I think that that was a complete setup. And like I said, the only person who supposedly saw her hanging was Adam himself who then cut her down. So when the paramedics got there, she was already on the ground. Right. And then especially with the, um, second autopsy revealing that her injuries really weren't even consistent with a hanging death. I think that pretty much sealed the deal for me that the whole hanging was fake and she never was hanging at all. Um, and that would explain why the bed wasn't moved a lot and why her DNA wasn't found on the balcony. And it kind of explains several things that are, you know, questionable about the evidence of this case. I also saw pictures, not of her, but kind of a recreation, but showing where the blood actually pooled into her legs, not pulled, but pooled. Uh Um, so if you're hanging upside down, right, your feet are hanging, blood's rushing to your head. So for you to have when you're found dead and to be black and blue, really from all the blood pooling, hopefully my Southern accent's not coming out too much, but, um, that, that doesn't add up. Right. It it would be the opposite. Right. I don't know, Melissa. (laughs) We have no idea. No, we have no clue. We're so professional here. We have to solve one crime. I'm very disappointed in. (laughs) We just don't have time for solving them. (laughs) We just talk about them. (laughs) So, you know, I did, basically say what my theory was and it's kind of an that's pretty much as the one that it's one of the ones I had read um on reddit and on these different sites you, you know you can't cite reddit as a credible source you maybe. can't you can't you for if you're talking about <laughs> theories you can't yeah. <laughs> these people know what they're talking about when, when they're talking about theories yeah um, so you know like I said I think the type of knots that were used the fact that she was tied behind her back um really the whole manner of death yeah. I just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't believe for one second she killed herself. I think that she was murdered. I do have questions about why or who was involved. Yeah. Or, you know, any of that. Um, but I guess we'll never know. And the yeah. case is pretty much closed now because yeah. they've ruled that it was a suicide. And, yeah. you know. Well, the family's case, like I said, it went from Nina, Dina, Hickory, and Doc, and Adam <laughs> um, to being just Adam. So in April of this year, the family dropped Nina and Dina. Oh so sick of saying that, from the lawsuit. So they said that, I guess, cell phone pings showed that the sister was at a different house during the time this would have happened, and that the mom, Nina, she was she on was video at the, at the hospital. hospital. Yeah. Right. So, um, so they weren't actively involved, but, um, but that doesn't account for Adam. Yep. And like I said, he was the only one there, so. Yeah. So I think, you know. Those are our theories. We'd love yeah. to hear your theories. Yeah. What if anybody heck? has any insight or thinks of anything that could have, could have possibly happened, we'd love to hear it. Yep. So anyway, um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we actually have a few promos for you guys to listen to. I hope you've been enjoying the promos we've had. There are a lot of great people we found in the podcast world. And we're interested. Um, we'd love for you to hear some 
new shows. That's how I always find out about shows on podcasts through other podcasts talking about them. It's a giant circle. So hope you have a good week. Hope Mandy feels better. Yes, I hope for everyone's sake that I have my normal voice back yeah. next time. <laughs> have a good night. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello. Hi. This is Georgia and Kate from Nothing Rhymes With Murder. Join us on a global journey of murder. Yes. Every week we go to a new country and find a true crime gem, as well as some fun hotspots to visit. So remember, kids, life is a journey. Don't let murder stop you. Okay, bye. All right, bye then. Bye. <laughs> bye. Hey, true crime fans, have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, Crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.